Welcome into Defeating the Curse. My name is Joe. Steve is back from wherever he's been in hiding for uh, what seems like a month now. Steve, how are you? The people miss you. We've we've actually had I know. we've had I know. real concern about your well-being uh, post nationals uh, season-ending soul-crushing, uh, you know, defeat. Are you okay? By popular demand, I am back. I know my mom's been calling the line a lot, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get me back on. I'm here. I'm recovered. I did not watch a second of the NLCS. I tuned in for the World Series. That was a hell of a World Series. We got to do another show on that. That's uh, not here, not now, but uh, I'm back. I'm back. I mean, uh, if if uh, nothing, we're resilient here in D.C. Okay. We should be used to this crap by now, too. Unfortunately, we are used to this crap. It's nice to have you back. I mean, LP and FP have been uh, a lot of fun to work with, but, uh, you know, TV. I got uh, thank, thanks for coming back. I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, did you get a chance? I know you're out of town this weekend, but did you get a chance to watch the Redskins? Uh, dominate would Shock. be the wrong word. Shock is the correct word. Uh, but basically go into Seattle and win. Did you get a chance to watch that game? I, I did watch it, and... The, the word that I would describe that game is moxie, okay? And, I, and I'll tell you, Kirk Cousins, okay, I know, I, I throw sports center word at you, okay? That's Scott Van Pelt word. But, I mean, talk about, I mean, who, who the hell was protecting Kirk Cousins? I mean, TJ Clemens, uh, Ari Kuju, uh, I mean, this is incredible. What this, Kirk Cousins' numbers are, are not going to blow anyone away. Uh, you know, 21-31, 250, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but... He balled out in that environment against that defense with that offensive line protecting him. I mean, what, a, what an incredible performance by him and, and these weapons that nobody knew existed. Can Someone we stop like calling Stops. them weapons? They're not weapons. They are barely hey. serviceable bodies that hey, are protecting when, him when, and that are when, catching the ball. When the ageless wonder, and I am referring to Vernon Davis, puts up six for 72 – I mean, Josh Doxson catches the most important pass that's ever been thrown to him in his life. Uh, you know, diving. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. He dropped a very similar know, pass know, in I week know, two, okay? Short-term memories, let's go, come on. <laughs> well, Vernon Davis, we, we, talked about, we talked specifically about him on the preview show, and, and FP made a point saying, you know, the only way this, we win is if he goes in there and has another incredible game, which we've come to kind of expect from him at this point. He's the most consistent non Chris Thompson receiver basically on the team. Uh, but he's completely incapable of running straight forward. The guy's got horse vision. He goes side to side all the time, but whatever it works, the team, I mean, none of us expected them, them to go in there and beat Seattle. Uh, you know, when we had, we had Sam on from, uh, from Seahawks nation and he was telling us basically, we just don't see this happening. We talked about a very, um, it's now publicly more widespread and I see it everywhere, but we talked about, the Skins are the only team to have a perfect record in that crazy stadium going yeah. into going into Sunday. They were three and zero, non non playoffs, which means nothing because we keep on losing in the playoffs there. But yes, yes, but now they're four and zero. They're four and zero in that building in the regular season, and that that spans multiple quarterbacks and multiple coaches. I, I, it's completely unexpected. It's got to be the craziest stat. Uh, I mean, in the NFL or, or related to the Redskins that I've seen in a long time. But none of us expected them to go in there and win. 
they can't run the ball, but somehow, you know, your can't. boy Rob Kelly basically falls forward for one yard every time he touches the ball, right? 14 for 18, does nothing, but ends up with two touchdowns. Uh, well, I mean, these, these guys are making Matt Jones look good. <laughs> we we that, said, that, hey, listen, we said at the beginning of the season we weren't going to kill Matt Jones, and every podcast his name has come up, and we hey, kill Matt McClue, Jones. Because McLuhan keeps on bringing him up on Twitter. I know. Rest. <laughs> we also said we weren't going to bring up Scotty, but we keep bringing him up too. Can we, well, can we just got to be on the show. That's, that's why. If we can get his wife on the show, that would be a lot more beneficial. Uh, that's more enjoyable to me, That I'm just saying. But uh, P. Ryan was, was a non-factor. Kelly was a non-factor. Chris Thompson continued to kind of be who he's been the last couple of games. Nothing, nothing spectacular. I mean, the Seahawks were committed to not letting him beat them, yep. basically. And you know, you touched on. I don't know if it was the most important pass that Doxon's ever caught or that's been thrown at him. Because frankly, he. Uh, but it, it does show you that what, how much better he can be with consistent mm-hmm. practice. And I'm not. Maybe he drops that ball if it was thrown at him in week two. Uh, which is what happened basically against the Chiefs. He had a chance to beat the Chiefs with a with a last second touchdown grab, and it didn't didn't happen. But I'll give him credit. I mean, he went out there. He caught he caught a very difficult ball to catch. Got two hands on it and pulled it in. And uh, I mean, it was huge. I mean, that that's the play that we drafted him to make, and he finally made it. And he was on well, the field. Exactly, and and that's the last uh, the last thing you said is the most important is that all you're asking for from your first round. Rookie wide receiver, and for all intents and purposes, he is a rookie, uh, is to make plays, to uh, you know get open, and to stay on the field. And that last part we could take for granted with a lot of other guys, but you can't take for granted with Josh Doxson, someone who has historically had real problems staying on the field. Right now, every week he's improving, and that's all you want to see from a guy who's still getting, uh, you know, learning the playbook, who's still getting his feet wet in the league. Uh, so he played a, a heck of a game, and. You know, props to that 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 defense too. I mean, that defense really kept them in the game. That front seven of our Will Compton stepped in, had an interception, made a ton of tackles. Um, Ziggy Hood played like a beast. Okay, and that's not a sentence I thought I would ever say. <laughs> you listen, um, hold on, but if you're gonna if you're gonna praise the defense, we got to talk about the 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 actual ageless wonder coming back. From I don't know how many knees he's blown out over the the last couple of years, but D'Angelo came in. Uh, yeah, he wasn't on a snap they, count, they and he. Game. He he came in and stayed in, which was great. But this defense, we I mean, I think I know I've said this multiple times. This defense is playoff caliber. Now Doug Baldwin got loose a couple of times on him, and and that, that was to be expected. And frankly, if Diggs goes this weekend, he's a guy that we know here from the DMV because he, he went to school uh, at UMD. We kind of know him, and he's he's had his amazing performances. You know, this spans now several seasons where, yeah, he he'll burn you. He'll he'll go eight for for two hundred. If you let him, um, but I was really encouraged by what we saw out of this defense. The the, you know, they got consistent pressure pressure on Russell and kind of forced him to move a little bit side to side. They, but they didn't let him just take over the way he has in the past. Baldwin got his. Um, Jimmy Graham didn't really get off, which was you know a little shocking actually. Um, but the hero of the defense, I mean, Zach Brown is going to get paid a ton of money, and he's going to earn probably by someone else. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I mean, that was part of the play, right? That was part of the the rationale behind, no, we're not going to bring back Pierre. We're not going to bring back Deshaun. We're going to spend that money elsewhere. I mean, Zach, he's got to be priority one. Maybe maybe even more important than Kirk right now, in my opinion. I know it sounds crazy. Maybe that's he's just, just a little... Well, I said maybe it was crazy, but I, I think Zach has proven that he is worth 
he's worth whatever anybody's willing to pay him. He, I mean, he leads the NFL in tackles, if I'm not mistaken, right now. He is yeah. the dude is just playing great, and the defense is playing great. The defense is playing great, and and I, I gave props to Will Compton because I was hard on Compton last season. The other guy that I'm I'm hard on that is having a great season. I will eat some crow about this. Is Ryan Kerrigan? He's getting consistent pressure uh, off the edge, and you know he's he's got the numbers to back it up. So. Uh, you know, between him and Preston, and Preston kind of picks his spots a little bit, but you know, they've totally covered up for the Jonathan Allen devastating injury on the line. Uh, and and same thing with Mason Foster. I mean, Will Compton stepped in uh, admirably. So that's what I'm saying about the moxie of this team. I mean, years teams in the past, years in the past, uh, we can't overcome an injury. I mean, we could never have overcome an injury to Trent Williams in years past. And then the, you look at the depth on that line with TJ Clemens and 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 Kuju and uh, it's Kuju. You're uh, killing me. I'm, I don't, I'm hoping I don't need to learn his name. Okay, I'm hoping he's he's done with. But <laughs> I'm saying and the French kid. It's coming from the the south of France. This is incredible. So uh, you know, and then and to be honest, Kirk Cousins is making their job easy. Where he's getting the ball out on time, off his you know right after that back foot steps down, he, he's he's. Five step, three step, seven step, and it's out. And and Kirk is confident. He's seen the field. He's going through his progressions. He's the exact opposite of what we had a couple of years ago with a certain number ten that we won't bring up his <laughs> name. I got one more game ball. I want to I want to call out and just kind of uh, you know publicly give a little uh, golf clap to Brian Quick. This guy hasn't even been active uh, most of the season. I mean he he's old as dirt. He steps in. He gives them three big catches for fifty yards. Uh, I think two of them are on the opening drive, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you know the 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 magician that is known as uh, Terrell Pryor continues to be a, com- an, a, com- a complete anomaly. I mean, at one point, uh, at one point he stepped in and was playing tight end, which it's fine, uh, yeah, fine, whatever. I mean, use him however you want to use him. I, I don't care at this point. He's not going to be back. But Brian Quick coming in and giving you know, just giving him another body to, th- to throw at. It's amazing what Kirk is doing right now with no receivers. There isn't. I really can't think of another quarterback. Uh, and, and even in recent memory, that is doing so much with essentially nobody around him. The and and I, I I I'm I'm tentative to use this analogy, but Tom Brady did similar. I, w- I was just thinking I, that. I want to be the doofus to say Brady. Okay. Oh, I'm At the doofus that doofus. said it right okay. because he okay. he is the only other quarterback that I can think of that consistently outperformed expectations with. With nobody catching the ball, I mean, I can't even think back to who was catching the ball post. Was it pre? Uh, was it pre Moss or post Moss or whoever? It was just a, a random. Uh, no, I don't think was he ever a Patriot. I don't think so. Oh, oh I thought you were talking about our team. Uh, no, not our team. Not our team. Santana Moss. No, this is the worst receiving core that the Redskins have ever had. But Brady, Brady just always seems to get it done and he basically just needs a tight end and then a couple other bodies to kind of run routes and open things up and it's crazy to say it but Kirk is kind of running the same the same type of game plan right now and Jay deserves all the credit in the world I know the junkies kill him all the time because he looks like a slob he probably is a slob but he he called another perfect game he he's making small adjustments and it, it continues to pay off and frankly if they can go into Seattle and win when we didn't expect them to they had a shot to beat the Cowboys they had a shot to beat the they should have beat the Chiefs the Chiefs basically scored in the last minute this is something that we've seen unfortunately from this team just in this season three or four times already where they have a lead and this goes back even if you want to go back to last season we saw it with we, we saw it with Detroit we saw it with Cincinnati last year too in London where they have a lead and they can't they can't protect it 
with a minute, uh, you know, or two minutes left in the game, they go down. This is the first time that they actually went the other way. Take a shot at Doxson, and look, we won the game. It's yeah. I mean, bottom line with this is season saving game. Eagles are just running away uh, with the NFC East. They can have the division. Congratulations. Let's see what they do come January. Uh, but right now there is just a cluster or whatever uh, for that two wild card spots. And I'll be interested to hear what our guest says uh, in a few moments about where he thinks, you know, the Vikings are, are, are part of that uh, group right there at four and four. Obviously, Dallas took care of business. And I, and I know we spoke uh, earlier today uh, offline. I don't see a path. Uh, you know, I was going to say a path to 270. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we were saying one year ago, last year in November. But I don't see a path to uh, the playoffs uh, for the Redskins right now. I think um, tiebreakers not on our side. I think a couple of close losses. Uh, I think you you were looking at the schedule a, a little bit earlier. Uh, I just don't see it. I think we we needed to be you know five and three, six and two at this point uh, to really give ourselves a chance. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I dis- so I, but I, dis- I disagree with you, right? Because, I, I, you know, the first part of our, our season has been a much tougher schedule than the second part of our season. We still get the Giants twice. Um, you know, so the path to the playoffs is it's murky, but it's murky for a whole bunch of other teams, too. A win against Seattle, who likely are going to be in the playoff hunt uh, themselves or in the wild card hunt themselves, that's a big deal. Um, you know, for the Skins specifically in the NFC East, we have to beat the Cowboys the next time out, and we got to get two against the Giants. Um, obviously losing two to, to the Eagles really hurts, but at this point they're seven and one. I don't see them dropping four of the next six. Like that's, that's not going to happen. They're not going to drop four games between now and the end of the year anyway. So it is all about these other teams that are kind of bunched right now at four and four or five and four, depending on their buy or whatever it is. And the Vikings coming up, this is a big deal because that's another toss up division right now. It's very similar to me, like to the NFC South, which, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I thought the NFC South was going to send two teams, maybe three. Um, now it looks like the wheels are coming off a little bit. Tampa's a Tampa is a disaster. Carolina looks kind of like a mess themselves. The Saints are probably going to run away with it. So I mean, they're they're just looking like they're they may be the best team in the South. But um, you know, it'll be interesting. Let's let's ask uh, let's ask our guest when he comes on here in a second. Uh, um, BJ has been writing for a whole bunch of different uh, fan boards and blogs, and he's got a he's got a number of podcasts he's on as well. Um, so anyway, he, he's going to come join us after the break, but Steve, I want to get one, one more thought here before, uh, before we, we take a break and bring BJ in. Um, how much of this game, how much of this game coming up do you think will, will rest on, on cousins specifically? Do you think that they have to essentially do the same thing they did in Seattle? Uh, do you, th- let me, let me ask that a different way. Do you think we will be able to run the ball against Minnesota? No chance. I mean, you're, you're going up against the number four defense in the league, total yardage. Mike Simmers always got to stop defense. Vikings, somehow, no matter who's lining up uh, for them, they always seem to be really stout. They always used to have, um, uh, now I'm blanking on the name, those two big tackles, Kevin Williams. I think there was another Williams there too. Um, so I just I think at this point we cannot run on anybody. I think so it was Williams Tokyo, and Williams. I think, I think it was both Williams. Williams yeah, is... yeah. <laughs> We'll have to get the guests to clarify that for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was a Virginia Tech guy. I think Kevin Williams. Um, so to, to ask that, I don't think we can run on anyone. So I think it's a given that we mm. can't run on a stout Vikings run defense. And I think it is going to rest on um, Kirk's shoulders. But, hey, that's that's been working for us lately. And people have been killing Jay for abandoning the run in years past. 
He's got no choice hey, now. He's got no choice exactly. now. You play to your strengths. All right. Well, we'll get BJ's thoughts on it. BJ Rydell will be joining us right after a quick break. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back into Defeating the Curse on the Heroes Media Group Hotline. BJ Rydell, the content coordinator at VikingsTerritory.com. Also producer and co-host of the Vikings uh, Minnesota Vikings podcast called About the Labor. BJ, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you guys doing today? Thanks for having me. Very good. Yeah, I think we're doing well. We, so we've been talking a little bit about what to expect and what not to expect out of this Vikings sure. team. What's going on up there? Because now the quarterback that started <laughs> the season is on IR and the other quarterback is back. Or what, What's going on up there? You know... The simple answer here is nobody really knows. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's a it's a constant QB carousel in Minnesota, and this stretches all the way back to you know the Dante Culpepper era when you get the injury from him. All of a sudden, you got Gus Frat, Brooks Bollinger, uh, you know all of these different quarterbacks. Tavares Jackson have been in there, and finally, it seems like the Vikings had their franchise guy in Teddy Bridgewater, and then obviously you saw what happened to him last year with the knee, the horrific knee injury. Um, Sam Bradford comes in, uh, looks pretty solid. He finishes. You know what might be the end of his Vikings career. He gets placed on IR today with a nine and eight record and a completion percentage record, which nobody really cares about. Um, and Case Keenum has looked pretty solid. I think he's earned himself a hell of a lot of money um, on the open market this offseason. Maybe something a la Mike Glennon, just by being a solid spot starter. Um, and now it seems like it might be Teddy time sooner rather than later. A lot of Vikings fans are very hyped and excited about Teddy Bridgewater making his return. Um, you know. But the but the real thing here is we don't know what's going to happen. Is Case Keenum the best option? Is Teddy Bridgewater the best option? Really, only time will tell. So, uh, I'd love to give you you know a concrete answer to your question here, but I just don't know. I don't think anyone else does either. Well, it's interesting you say that because Keenum has. I mean, this is a fantasy alert here, and and the guys are going to get upset with me, but he's been serviceable from week to week. But the the guy that I'm most interested in, you know. Obviously, the, the Dalvin Cook injury sucked, right? And and again, I right. don't want to make this about fantasy. Like we we care passionately about our teams here. Um, that injury was just miserable for for a, a number of different reasons. But right. there's some guys that can step in, and they've been doing okay. I, I would rather have the cast of running backs that are currently in Vikings uniforms than the misfits that we have here in Washington. <laughs> um, but the the clear best player offensively is, is Stephon Diggs, right? Is he going to play on Saturday or on it Sunday? Sounds like, Saturday, sorry, on yeah, Sunday. It, <laughs> it sounds like Diggs is going to play. Um, obviously, he had the you know he kind of misses two games per year. That's sort of become the trend with Diggs's career. I'm sure you guys know this being from the Maryland area as well. Um, he, he has a tendency to get injured often. The durability has always been a question mark with him, but when he is on the field, it's absolutely electric. I mean, you've seen the type of damage he's been able to do against very good teams and also against division opponents. I believe he scored. Uh, like I think it's six of his career touchdowns against NFC North teams. So he's been dominating teams like the Lions, the Bears, and especially the Packers, which we've seen on Monday Night Football a couple of times here. So uh, Diggs has been a huge asset, but I wouldn't sleep on Adam Thielen either. He's actually having a better receiving season than Stephon Diggs is right now. If you look at the film, that certainly supports it as well. So not only is Diggs not always on the field, but Thielen has – you know, jumped in as, you know, a number one, number two, and deserves to be treated like a top 15-ish NFL receiver, at least this season. Um, he's absolutely dominating at the point of attack. Uh, he runs, you know, as good of routes as anyone. So, you know, to be quite honest with you, with Diggs kind of being, 
you know, a bit of a question mark in terms of durability. I think that Adam Thielen has kind of skyrocketed up to being that number one guy, the most reliable option at least. But um, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Stephon Diggs isn't a game-breaking threat. He's been lethal when he is on the field. Sure. Um, just to, let me go back here for a second, PJ, because I want to get you on the record. Sunday at 1 p.m., Vikings offense comes on the field. Who's behind center? It's going to be Case Keenum. Uh, the Vikings actually announced that today, so it's not it's not you know a secret Bridgewater anymore. Not an option. What's that? Teddy's not an option. No, he, well he's going to be active and he's going to dress on Sunday. Uh, you might see Teddy Bridgewater in like the third or fourth quarter if something goes you know wrong for Case Keenum. But right now Keenum is the starter moving forward until Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and Co. say otherwise. So. Um, my bet is Case Keenum simply because that's what they have told us. Now, let's also keep in mind that Mike Zimmer is a guy that likes to blow smoke in your face. He's been doing this with injuries for basically the entire duration of his tenure. So the safe bet is Case Keenum here, but I wouldn't put it past the Vikings to slip Teddy Bridgewater in there somehow. But I do think they want to wait for the home game the following week against uh, the L.A. Rams for his return. And, and just for my own uh, edification, not to take this to a different level, but how devastating was that Teddy Bridgewater injury a year ago? So, you know, I'll give you a little narrative here. So I was at the time I was working for the Bismarck Tribune and I had been covering Carson Wentz. So I was driving back from Fargo um, to Bismarck and I was, I got the call from one of my buddies who I work with at Vikings territory saying that, um, that Teddy Bridgewater had been injured and it looks bad. And literally at that point, you know, you can imagine what the Twitter timelines looked like, right? Uh, it was it was complete devastation. We were coming off of a high in 2015 where he was able to lead the Vikings to the postseason. It seemed like the Vikings had finally found their the franchise quarterback for the first time in God knows how long. Um, and then he gets hurt, and it's absolutely devastating. And then you see what happens, the ramifications of that injury. The Vikings lose a first-round pick. Obviously, they'd probably like to have that first-round pick back now. Hindsight is 20-20. But Sam Bradford comes in, performs admirably under a ton of duress Vikings fans have been basically harassing him essentially uh, with how much, with their love for Teddy Bridgewater. It's a tough position to be in. I think he performed well, but you know, ultimately Teddy has always been the guy for this franchise. He is the face of the franchise, despite being on IR for the last couple of years, last year here or last year plus, I guess. Um, and when but, he but comes he, back, it's big. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point and I don't want to relitigate the Bradford trade, but did the Vikings brass, think they're one piece away? I mean, when, when Bridgewater went down, did, did they really think, obviously, Adrian Peterson was getting up in age and and and, and his stock was, was on the decline, but that trade, like you said, we'd re really like to have that first-round pick back. I mean, you do that trade when you're one piece away. Did, did Do they think that? You know, I think to some degree, a lot of Vikings fans would argue that the Vikings were one piece away at that point, that piece being the quarterback position. Now, let's keep this in mind that the quarterback position is astronomically more important than any other position, right? You guys know this as well as anyone, um, you know, left tackle is probably up there, uh, you know, prime edge rusher is up there as well. But if you get a quarterback that can stabilize your offense, especially for the Vikings, who have been very poor offensively, basically since Dante Culpepper, with exception to that Brett Favre year, and you combine that with a Super Bowl caliber defense, and I firmly believe that this is a Super Bowl caliber defense, you have a team that could very 
realistically make a run if they get hot a la Eli Manning. Um, so I do think that Rick Spielman and co thought they were one piece away. Then you see the injuries, the left tackle position Vikings rotated in five offensive tackles last year, obviously TJ Clemmings being one of them who I'm sure you guys are a huge fan of now. Um, so there wasn't, you know, a ton going right for the Vikings last season on top of that Teddy Bridgewater injury. So Bradford was thrown into a tough situation. Um, I guess the simple answer to your question is yes, I do believe they thought they were one piece away and I think they had justification for thinking so. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think that was what we saw. I mean, as as fans not, you know, super close to the Vikings, that defense was really good the, the, the year previous. And sure. AP had missed a ton of time with the whatever his old off off the field ordeal. Uh, but he only played uh, – I mean, he was on – again, he was on my fantasy team. He played one or two possessions, I think, for the entire season before his mm-hmm. leg exploded or whatever happened. And that was basically the end of him in a, in a Vikings uniform. So, yeah, at hindsight – uh, you know, yeah, sure, we'd love to have that pick back. I'm sure the Redskins would love to have all six of their picks back sure. from uh, the RG3 Absolutely. trade. So, you know, we can't necessarily spend too much time on that. But the Vikings are, I mean, they're still they're still in the playoff hunt right now. Getting Teddy back, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be Russ, and it's not like he's going to step in and just right. pick up right where he left off. But, I mean, how do you see the rest of the season playing out for the Vikings? As, as again, as fans, we're Redskins fans, and and we, we expect them to sure. be able to pull out a win. I mean... The the Seattle the Seattle victory in DC was received with uh, exuberance to a whole other level. Like if we can go into Seattle with essentially me and you sure. playing offensive linemen and pull out that win, we should be <laughs> able to get past the Vikings. So expectations are, are are somewhat tempered, but we I mean I myself I expect the Redskins to be able to pull this win out. But give me give me a, a sense from you know as somebody who covers the Vikings, what do the Vikings have to do against the Redskins to to get a W on Sunday? Well, let me give you a disclaimer first here. So obviously I cover the Vikings. That's my team. That's the team that I follow around, you know, uh, but I also am a Vikings fan. So understand that this answer comes with that, that notion. I try to be as, as objective as possible here, but uh, I am on, you know, a Redskins program right now. So I understand that there are going to be people that are going to look at me and say, Vikings fan, you're crazy. Okay. But so what the Vikings need to do is first of all, they need to take advantage of your offensive line. You just mentioned that the offensive line is a bit of a disaster without Trent Williams in there. Obviously you've got some good players in there um, that, you know, former first round picks a couple of good players, but the Vikings defensive line has been absolutely, you know, disastrous for off for opposing offensive lines this year. Everson Griffin is arguably having the best season of his career. Linville Joseph does not get enough love in the interior as being a pass rusher and a plugger to Neil Hunter is getting a ton of pressures. He's not getting the sack numbers that we saw last season, but he's still getting in there. He's getting in the quarterback space. So that defensive line is stout. You also look at the rotational guys, guys like Jaleel Johnson from Iowa, Tom Johnson, the former Saint. Um, Those guys have been very solid as well. So the Vikings defensive line has been basically epic this season. It's been a ton of fun to watch for us. So now you look at TJ Clemmings across from you, if you're Everson Griffin, that's a matchup that you've been facing on your own team for the last couple of years here. You know this guy. You know his deficiencies. You have to take advantage of that matchup. So that's number one here. And number two is I want to say that you guys have very like a ton of potential at the wide receiver position. Just a lot of it hasn't been realized just yet. Terrell Pryor is obviously extremely talented. I don't know what's going on with the doghouse of Jay Gruden, why he's not on the field for, you know, 100% of the snaps, but if he's out there, he's dangerous. Same could be said about Josh Doxson, a guy that I loved coming into the draft. I, was, I actually still hold kind of resentment for you guys for leapfrogging us and taking Josh Doxson, and we get stuck with Laquan Treadwell. So I think there's a ton of talent there. That comes down to, can Xavier Rhodes continue his streak of basically shut down performances? And then are you guys able to take advantage of Trey Wayne's on the opposite side? 
We've seen some teams be able to do this. Pittsburgh, for example, New Orleans actually got after him pretty well. Um, Kirk Cousins is certainly capable of doing so. Uh, if he's able to take advantage of Waynes a lot and the Vikings defense isn't able to get enough pressure on him, let's say you guys use the blueprint from last week that Hugh Jackson used and started running the quick passing game to mitigate those circumstances, then yeah, I think that you know the Redskins certainly have a chance here. But any t- and, and also I should say that anytime you guys are playing at home, anytime we're playing at home, to win if you're playing at home to some degree. Um, so, you know, if you're a Redskins fan, I think this is a game that you certainly can win, but I wouldn't underestimate the Vikings because everyone does it, and it seems like, at least over the last month, a lot of you guys are wrong. Well, that's what we do here is <laughs> underestimate teams, okay? So uh, you haven't been paying attention. If you're, I'm thinking we're not going to underestimate. Um, <laughs> let, let me ask a fun question just because, I don't know. Sure. I'm, I'm in a kicks and giggles mood here. Um Bridgewater gets in, uh, you know, plays the last five, six weeks of the season. Doesn't look like the Teddy Bridgewater before this. Looks probably like maybe RG3 (laughs) after the surgery. And uh, Bradford is Bradford, right? And he's, 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 you know, uh, falling apart. Don't do it. Don't do it, Steve. What do you think about Kirk for $30 You good with that? (laughs) I'm giving you. you it's funny because you're not the first person to ask me this. I've had Vikings fans ask me this question, and you know I'm just going to be simple and to direct and to the point here. No, I'm not paying Kirk Cousins thirty million dollars. I saw someone make this point earlier this season that Kirk Cousins is a guy that you're really happy with if he's your quarterback, so long as you're not paying him twenty plus million dollars a year. If you're paying him less than that, he's extremely serviceable. He has a ton of very strong games that suggest that he could be, you know, an I don't want to say elite, but a top-tier caliber quarterback. Um, and Jay Gruden has actually worked wonders with him, too. So, you know, I like what Kirk Cousins' game presents, but with the Matthew Stafford contract, I think you guys are in a lot of trouble heading into next year trying to re-sign this guy if if that is the route you want to go. Um, I think that he could win the Vikings the Super Bowl if he was playing you know, under a reasonable contract with this defense and with the weapons he has around him. But I'm not paying that guy $30 million. He hasn't Steve, shown me enough yet. Steve, there's no chance he'd go to Minnesota. He's, as an unrestricted free agent, he, there's two teams that are going to be at the top of his list, Denver and Jacksonville. And both of them, with him as quarterback, with the defenses they got in place, although Denver will probably take a step back because they can't afford to leave anymore. But you look at Jacksonville, uh, they could pay him whatever. They, they could they could franchise him or they could do whatever they want, and that team would be a legit contender from the from day one. So no offense I mean, to, to Vikings fans, but why why would you go to the frigid miserableness of Minnesota if you could go if you can go to Denver, the sunniest uh, the sunniest city in America, or Florida, and save all that money that that uh, that tax money? So if he leaves Washington, which we all firmly believe he's going to, the skins the skins they they completely they completely effed up this entire situation. So he's not going to be back in a Redskins uniform unless he's willing to take substantially less than what the market's going to command. But Jacksonville, the Jets, um, you know, there's going to be teams that are going to throw a lot of money at him um, for one reason or another. The Skins won't be able to do that. And even if they could, they probably won't. So I I don't see that scenario playing out. But Steve likes to ask that question to pretty much everybody. I think it's a fun question. (laughs) It's fun, but it's it's not plausible. Like, I don't see Minnesota being uh, a reasonable destination, uh, destination for him. Although... You know, frankly, if Dalvin Cook can regain his his shape and his form, I mean, I, I don't know who who's going to start at running back. These teams basically mirror each other from a running back perspective. It's 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 
not good on either side of the ball. Uh, but who who does get the ball to start uh, for the Vikings on Sunday? Uh, you'll probably see Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray mixed, and it's going to be the hot hand situation. That's kind of what the Vikings have been moving forward with. You've seen Latavius Murray have a breakout game with the Vikings. You've seen Jarek McKinnon have a couple of very solid games. Um, I guess the way to look at it from an outside perspective, if you're not too familiar with Jarek McKinnon or Latavius Murray, is we call him the light, the thunder and lightning of the Vikings' backfield right now. Obviously, Dalvin Cook being gone, as you said, um, devastating injury. He was electric on the field. We're excited to get him back in 2018. But right now, it's the McKinnon, it's the McKinnon Murray show. And honestly, Vikings fans have become very comfortable with that because the offensive line has, you know, drastically improved. We've seen Jarek McKinnon. Um, he gained 15 pounds this offseason for what it's worth, and he's been falling forward a lot more on carries, uh, and he also still has that lateral agility that we like so much, um, the explosive play. So he's the more explosive, I guess, dangerous home run threat of the two, and Murray is a bowling ball that's probably going to get the majority of the goal line carries, short yard rushing situations, um, and basically churning up yards to wear down your defense. That That's Murray's game, and McKinnon is more your your explosive threat that's going to catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, Murray's the better blocker of the two. You know, guys like Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith were a real problem for us last year. Uh, so you can expect to see Murray on the field probably more than not, I would expect, in trying to pick up blitzes and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but I think McKinnon is probably the more lethal of the two, um, especially because you can use him in so many ways. We've seen him split out as a receiver, for example, as well this year. So plenty of talent still left in that backfield, regardless of what people – kind of the outside opinion sees of these two. They've been very serviceable thus far. Um, and basically, you know, if they can set the tone early and keep the Vikings defense off the field, keep them, you know, energized and ready for the second half, uh, that's basically their job. And they've been able to accomplish that so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I think McKinnon really mirrors a Chris Thompson-like back. I think he's got sure. a ton of talent, shifty, got speed, can get out in the open. But you mentioned, you know, problems last year and Stefan Diggs, just gives us all kinds of problems. And I'll tell you, he is a nightmare matchup for Josh Norman. Josh Norman wants the Des Bryant physical guys. He can get up on the line and bump them. Wait, Stephon wait, by, Diggs, Des, by Des Bryant, you mean bad receiver? I, I mean <laughs> Des of three years ago, okay? but I, I Two think catches for Norman nine yards really and, uh, and five tantrums? <laughs> Norman really struggles with uh, these shifty guys. I think when they put Diggs in the slot, they get him on the move pre-snap. And they dump it off to him. I mean, last year, I think he put up 200-plus on us. Uh, uh, and so, you know, I expect a big day from Dix. And 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 you consider him an elite receiver? Me, myself, yeah, absolutely. You know, I consider both Thielen and Diggs to be elite receivers, honestly. And I think that, you know, heading into each week, I get this from a lot of shows. You know, I, I try to do as many outside podcasts as well per week. And people always want to talk about Stephon Diggs. And that's completely fair. He's been electric. I don't blame you guys for asking about him, but I'm just saying with Adam Thielen, especially because he works out of the slot. I know Kendall Fuller has been very solid this season, but he's a guy that works with finesse as well and gives you, you know, a ton of different, uh, you know, options for the quarterback position. Basically the Vikings have been running, you know, right to left in terms of reads. So, you know, if Diggs isn't open, Thielen might be. And that's why you haven't seen the production from Treadwell this season, in my opinion, because he's not even getting to his third read because these guys have been so good at getting open. Um, so both of those players are very dangerous to me. I think that Diggs, I think that honestly, I think Thielen pre presents the better mismatch for the Vikings this week simply based off of his physical stature. You look at what Larry Fitzgerald has been able to do out of the slot in Arizona. Adam Thielen has been doing a lot of the same. Um, so I think that Diggs is, again, probably the more explosive of the two. You'll see the more highlight real player plays out of him. 
But Adam Thielen is consistently moving the chains for the Vikings, getting first downs, um, chunk yardage, a lot of receptions. I believe he's still top five in both receiving yards and receptions um, despite the bye week. So um, he's been very dominant this year. So both of those guys, you know, you need two cornerbacks in this NFL today, right? Um, Josh Norman is going to be a challenge for Diggs or Thielen, whoever he's matched up on the out on the outside. Uh, but whichever one is still loose is probably the greater threat of the two. Yeah, I, I still like the matchup potential between uh, Breland or Norman and and Diggs and Thielen. Uh, I think it'll be a battle both ways. What we didn't see out of the Skins last year is Norman trailing all over the field. Uh, and frankly, sure. Pryor came in here as a member of the Browns and roughed up Norman and caught a touchdown on him and kind of plays the same way. He's shifty at right. the line. He'll bump back. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, it'll be interesting either way. But I think these teams mirror the mirror each other in, in a multitude of ways. I mean, definitely the Vikings have the better receivers. Um, I think they're both not special as far as running backs go. The defenses are really the, the, uh, the unsung heroes of both squads. So, you know, I think as a Redskins fan, I think it's going to look a lot like the Seattle game last week. I don't expect it to be super high scoring. Um, but let me get some predictions out of you guys. So, Steve, let me go to you first. Who you got? Give me a score, a winner and a score. Uh, let me go Redskins um, 2017. I think um, the only difference, I think, like you said, these teams are very, very similar. I think the one glaring difference is the guy under center. I think uh, you compare Cousins to Keenum, I think that's the difference. I think uh, any advantages the Vikings have, uh, Kirk will overcome them. Captain Kirk. BJ, who you got? Um, I might take the Redskins as well here, and it's not because I think the Redskins are the better team. Truly, um, I think it's because the home field advantage is going to play a huge difference for the uh, for for the Redskins this week. Um, I'll take I'll take the Redskins winning. How about twenty three to seventeen? Because the Vikings, generally speaking, I believe they're now twenty two and one when they score at least twenty one points, and so that's kind of your that's the number you got to hit. Um, the Redskins defense is very solid across the board. A lot of playmakers at every level. They're certainly capable of, you know, that type of, you know, limit that type of limitation for the Vikings offense. And if you're able to do that, you're probably going to win the game. Um, now it's a matter of can Kirk Cousins get to that 21 point plateau? I think he can. I think he's certainly capable of doing so. Um, it's something that we'll have to see, um, you know, moving forward here. Yeah. So both of you guys basically have this as a one possession game, which means we're all in for, you know, a chance for somebody to win, depending on the last possession in the fourth. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the skins as well. So we'll go three for three on the skins. I'm gonna stick with my weekly prediction of uh, Redskins fifty and the Vikings uh, twenty one, and and we'll see what happens. But um, BJ, thank you so much for joining us and for coming on and talking Vikings. Uh, where where can everybody find uh, find you and all the stuff that you do uh, online? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, so I do a ton of stuff for vikingsterritory.com. Um, that's where you can find the coverage charts and the articles that I do every week. Um, I also do the uh, a podcast three times a week with my guy, uh, Drew Mahold. Um, that's the Vikings About the Labor podcast. If you're not familiar with the quote, by the way, M Mike Zimmer's thing is don't tell me about the labor to show me the baby. So that's where the title comes from. Um, then I also do some stuff for Bleacher Report on occasion for some freelance stuff. So you can find me there sometimes. Um, and then if you're for whatever reason interested in high school sports in Minnesota, I also cover those as well. So you can find me on Twitter Perfect. at, Perfect. at, <laughs> at Robert Rydell, R E I D E L L. Um, make sure to check out that podcast, man. We've been working really hard on it and we're really happy with the results so far. So thanks a lot for you to you guys for having me on the show. Um, best wait, of luck wait, 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 let me ask you all ready for the Super Bowl? <laughs> 
we're ready exactly. for a Viking. We're ready for a Vikings home Super Bowl. Can we stay way. with you when yeah, we come just, to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> how much is that? How much is that spot going on Airbnb uh, for Super Bowl weekend? <laughs> I, I live in St. Paul, not downtown Minneapolis, so I don't really have that Airbnb option. But I know it's it's very high. I've seen people getting like fifteen hundred for three days. <laughs> you know? yeah, and like, it's inauguration prices here in DC. Okay. There you go. <laughs> BJ, thank you so much for coming on. For uh, for BJ, for Steve, my name is Joe. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Defeating the Curse. Proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Until next time, we are out.